0: Gospel reading comes from the Gospel according to John chapter 6. We will be reading verses 35 through 71. Hear the word of the Lord Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed." And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: you're visiting here this morning, we're glad you're here. And I will tell you that for some time now we've been in the gospel according to John. We read a long passage this morning, by far the longest passage we've read from John at at one time. And now when I open my Bible, it either opens to John 5 or 6. I think this is, might be the seventh or eighth week that we have been In these two chapters of the gospel according to John. So if you're visiting. This message will stand by itself. But it is inextricably entwined with what's come before. Especially beginning with chapter 6. And so if you're so inclined. And you want to see that attachment. And learn more from chapter 6. On our website you can go and find the messages from past weeks there. And uh, the preacher's not much, but somehow the word does get out there in the power of the Holy Spirit. Before we come to this portion of God's word, let's pray and ask him to teach us. Our Father, we bow before you as your priests, a congregation, an entire congregation of your priests. You've told us to come as priests. Bring the world around us before him, before you. To bring our children and our parents, to bring our families, our friends, our neighbors, the people with whom we work, Oh, Father, teach us to be better priests. There's people all around us, and there's no one to pray for them. There's people that we've seen this week, that we see often, and maybe in their lives there's actually no one praying for them. Teach us to pray, Father. Teach us to be priests Thank you for how you've answered our prayers concerning our brothers and sisters in Christ. Brought healing and blessing to individual lives and to families through these prayers. this morning we pray for Becky Guyswhite. That, Father, you would give her a real assurance of her position before you. That she would look forward with what you have prepared for her. Bless David Mattingly. We pray that you would use these treatments to restore his health. Bless him. Bless Phil and Sally Halley. Bless Sally as she cares for Phil. We thank you, Father, for the progress with him. We pray that he'll continue. Father, restore those limbs. Thank you for how you have restored his mind and his speech. We pray that, Father, this will just continue hour after hour, day after day. We pray that you would bless Eileen Wood, bring healing to her. Father, give the doctors wisdom. Give them knowledge about what this is and how it should be treated. We thank you for the success of the success this week and Gail Mayo's uh, procedure upon her eyes. Father, we pray that this would be effective, and that, Father, you would bless her eyes with clear sight and take away any pain, take away any discomfort. We pray for Elizabeth Boyd's mother, Father, in Birmingham as she fell and broke her hip. Bless Elizabeth as she ministers to her, and we pray that you would bring healing. You know all these people, Father. We just don't speak into the abyss. These are not our hopes. We're speaking with you about specific people. And, Father, we pray that you would bring healing and bring comfort. And now as we open your word, we pray that through your word you would bring healing to all of our lives, both physically and spiritually, our Father John Sartell cannot teach and preach so that it will make any difference in our lives. But we've heard you speak in this place, Father, through the power of your Spirit. And we pray that again this morning you would speak to us. Open your word to us. Show us the meaning and show us the purpose and the beauty and the wonder Our Father, we're your children, asking you to teach us one more time. Tell us the story. Tell us a story again. Bring glory to your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus, the bread of life, did you write the recipe? Or God. Maybe when you saw that title or heard it just now, you thought maybe John's being shallow or trite. Folks, far from it. That title is an accurate description of exactly what is taking place in this scene. Who made Jesus the bread of life? How did he become the bread of life? The disciples and crowd wanted him to be the Messiah who would follow their directions, their expectations. They wanted more bread. They wanted a king who would destroy the occupation of the Roman army. They wanted a king who would feed them like Jesus fed the 5,000 the day before. In the last eight years, I have become interested. I don't want to be, guys, I don't want to be kidding about this this week. I'm being serious. I have become interested in cooking not just the manly art of grilling or barbecuing, but creating all kinds of recipes and dishes. I'm literally fascinated on a daily basis with the culinary arts, all the different cuisines. But even as a nobody in the world of cuisines, I will try to improve these recipes. I'm a nobody. But I'll take a proven recipe that some chef has created and I'll say I'll add this ingredient or I'll leave off that ingredient and I believe it will help. Now that recipe was usually created by someone far beyond my knowledge and my ability but I still try to add to the recipe now folks that's presumptuous it really is here is a recipe by Gordon Ramsey the incredible international chef from Scotland and this novice somehow thinks I can improve it well that's exactly what the disciples in the crowd were trying to do In this passage before us, Jesus is saying to the crowd, you keep wanting me to go your way, to do what you want me to do, to become a king on your terms, to make you physical bread, to throw out the Romans. We have the proclivity to do the exact same thing and the church in every age has done this. We want to somehow manage or change the person of Jesus or his salvation. We want to make our own recipe for the identity of Jesus. We want to make our own recipe for salvation and Jesus, in the words before us this morning, answers. That crowd, and therefore he answers us. How does he do it? In one simple way, he speaks to them of the supremacy of God in salvation. And that's his theme the supremacy of God in salvation. First, I want you to see in this passage that Jesus says, The Father sent his Son from heaven. Look at verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, or your will, but the will of him who sent me. I not only came from heaven, from God himself, but I'm here under the command of the Father. Now, did anyone in that crowd or any one of us go up to heaven And tell God the Father to send His Son. Did we whisper a plan in God's ear? Was the incarnation of the Son of God our idea? Did the Father say to the Son, Go to those wayward people and see what you can do with them? No. The plan of the incarnation from Bethlehem to the cross and resurrection was the plan of God from the foundation of the world. This afternoon, read the first chapter of Ephesians, and you'll see that. If it wasn't that way, if it didn't begin with God, how else could Isaiah write in detail? about the crucifixion 700 years before Christ was born there's only one way God revealed it to him how could Micah have given Israel the news that the Messiah when he gets here he'll be born in Bethlehem did Micah suggest that to God or did God reveal it to Micah Very simply, Jesus came from glory, sent by the Father, fulfilling the commands and plan of the Father. So first, the Father sent his Son from heaven to do his will. Secondly, Jesus tells us the Father sent his Son as the bread of life for starving sinners. Look at verse 57. As the living Father sent me, And I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate in the wilderness and died, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now God, you know, sometimes in the Old Testament, God sent an angel. Well, God did not send an angel. He did not send physical man of this time he did not send just another prophet he sent his son he had blessed Israel think about it. he had blessed Israel just read the Old Testament he had blessed Israel with incredible incredible blessings but now he comes with the gift of the ages he comes with his son I could have chosen other passages But as I wrote this, I couldn't help but to think of Ephesians chapter 1 that I suggested you read. Ephesians 1, and we'll look at verses 3 and 4, and then 7 through 10. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed, he begins with this, blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us, this Father blessed us, In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. You see it? Through the cross, through the work of Christ. The forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Do you see it? Do you see it? Please. Making known to us what? The mystery of his will. All this was his will, his plan. Then you read on. He 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 underlines it according to his purpose. Which he set forth in Christ. And then he underlines it again. As a plan for the fullness of time. Now who would have gone. Who would have gone into glory. Reverse this. Reverse the incarnation. Who of us goes into heaven. With all of our sin and rebellion. And says to the father. Here is what you need to do. You need to send your son. It was his idea, folks. It was his plan from eternity. And Jesus comes, this Christ that we've just seen described. He comes. And what do we do with him? Okay, we'll take over now. We'll make him king. It's laughable. We see the supremacy of God in salvation as the Father sent His Son from heaven to do His will. We see the supremacy of God in salvation as the Father sent His Son from heaven as the bread of life for starving sinners. Thirdly, Jesus says the Father draws starving sinners to Christ. Now, this is a theme throughout this entire passage, and I want you to see it. Look first at verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me. Verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Now, why did Jesus say that? You've got to, to understand this. You've got to ask, okay, now, Jesus thinks this is important. He keeps repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. Why at this point? Well, Jesus has just spoken of the crowd's unbelief. He said, but I said, You have seen me, and yet you do not believe. How did Jesus respond to their shallowness? How this thing, well, we'll make you king. We'll do this. We'll do that. They, they were missing it. Was he distraught at their unbelief? No. He was saying, I know. But the Father will bring my people to me. I trust the Father to bring the starving sinners to me. How the church needs to hear this. We don't convert people. John Sartell has never changed one heart or one mind from the inside out. No church is able to do that. Over the centuries, time and time again, the church has tried all kinds of campaigns to make Christ more palpable to the world, to make him more acceptable. Well, Jesus is immutable. You can't change him. You can't change his person, and you can't change his work. Jesus is pointing to the supremacy of the Father in salvation. My Father will bring my people to. Are you a believer this morning? you a believer this morning? You're a Christian? Well, this is your history that we're reading. There's never been anyone come that the Father did not bring. Remember Peter? Remember the great confession in Matthew 16, 15? Look at it on your scripture sheet. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, I love this. I love this. Blessed are you. I mean, you, this was exciting. This was exciting for Christ. Peter got it. Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonas, Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Peter. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Are you going to argue with that? I remember a time in my life that I argued against it. I fought against this notion. I wanted some credit for my salvation. I wanted to be the one who chose Jesus in my time in my wisdom, and in my strength. By my own work, I was fighting against the grace of God. I fought against Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved. What did Paul say to the Ephesian church? By grace you have been saved. That is, you've received something you didn't deserve. And he goes on. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. People, Jesus, the bread of life, is God's recipe, not ours. Salvation through grace alone is God's recipe, not ours. Salvation through Christ alone is God's recipe, not ours when jesus miraculously fed them he did what they had never seen they fed 5000 people with 5 loaves and 2 fish and the crowd comes we have a plan for you we're going to make you king bread on every table no more famines and surely he'll get rid of the romans they were not saying, you're the son of God. You're the son of man. You're from glory. What would you have us do? They weren't falling at his feet in worship. They did not care that the Lord God Almighty in glory had a different plan from the foundation of the world. His plan was not a throne in Jerusalem, but a cross on Calvary. Remember. Remember, how did Jesus handle this? Mark said the disciples didn't get it; they really didn't understand the parable of the, the miracle of the loaves and fish. And they're rowing across, the, rowing across the lake. Easily done; they had done it hundreds of times before. But there was a great storm. And all night long, they had made no progress. They were still stuck out there in the middle of the lake against the wind. And here comes Jesus striding across the storm. Why? He was saying, I'm Lord of the storm. I'm Lord of the waves. I'm Lord of the sea. I'm the king of heaven and earth. when he got in the boat. They didn't say, we're going to make you king. They looked at him in awe and wonder and said, you are God himself. And they fell down and worshipped. The Father brings us to Jesus. There's a wondrous beauty about this. In the classic old school wedding ceremony, the father brings the bride down the aisle. And the minister says to the people congregated there, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And the father says, I do. Oh, people, it is the father in heaven who brought us to Jesus. It's not a hard saying, people. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. How do we become Jesus' own? Well, there was no merit in us. And the Father brought us to Jesus. The supremacy of God and salvation is seen in that the Father sent his Son from heaven. The Father sent his Son as the bread of life for starving sinners. The Father draws those starving sinners to Christ. And then in closing, the supremacy of God in salvation is seen in the necessity of the work of Jesus in salvation. Look at John 6, verse 50. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink, and whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood will abide in me. How does Jesus, what's the recipe? How does Jesus become the living bread? He's the living bread by virtue of his person, who he is, and his work. Some have looked at this passage and said, through this entire passage, Jesus is speaking of the Lord's table. Next week, we will have communion. We'll come to the Lord's table. We'll take the body and the blood, the bread and the wine. And some people say, well, that's, that's what's happening here. Others say Jesus was only speaking of partaking of him in faith, that we feed on Christ as we hear him teach, like he taught on the Sermon on the Mount or preach, that we feed on Christ as we hear the Word of God. We feed on Christ in hearing the gospel. We feed on Christ in the incarnation. We feed on Christ. We we're feeding on him now. And that's true. But it's not either or. You don't have to choose between those two. It's both. It's feeding on Christ when we hear his word, when we encounter his word. It's feeding on Christ as we pray. It's feeding on Christ as we sing hymns. And it's feeding on Christ at his table. Now, what is this saying? What is Jesus saying? He's not saying, choose between my preaching and the Lord's table. Without, this is what God is saying, without the atoning cross, without the ransom being paid, without Jesus taking our sins, we could not stand innocent in God's courtroom. It took the work of Christ. It wasn't merely in the incarnation. All through scripture, we see men, and all through history, we see men shaking their heads at these words of salvation, the work of Christ in salvation. It seems ridiculous. They shook their heads here. The Messiah go to a cross. That can't be. That doesn't happen to the Messiah of Israel. Paul wrote about this in Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 22 through 24. For the Jews demand signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. That the recipe's just folly, they're saying. And it's folly to the Gentiles. They don't, they don't like this recipe. But to those who are called, to those who are eating the bread and drinking the wine, to those who have been to Calvary, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. There are three groups of people in this crowd. There were Jesus, by this time, was the most well-known name in Israel. And people were coming to see what he did. He made a blind man see, and then they go, and he feeds 5,000 people. They're overwhelmed. They're just there to see what he does next. And then there's a closer. Remember, he didn't just send out the 12. There's one passage where Jesus sends out 70 on this temporary missionary, local missionary endeavor. And then you had the inner circle, the 12, and many from that outer circle and those from the closer circles, they said, we don't like this. We don't like this recipe. They started walking away. The disciples Remember how excited the disciples were when they saw people coming by the thousands? They said, he's going to be king. Just wait and see. And now it's the opposite. They're seeing people walk away. They preferred their own recipe for the Messiah. Boy, this scene is so full of pathos. Jesus turns to Peter, John, James, and Matthew. Look at it. Verse 67. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? In verse 66, John had written, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus asked the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. That answer is absolutely brilliant. I'm so glad John recorded this. Peter answered with the question of the ages. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You're the son of God come from glory. Salvation through the incarnation. Salvation through the person and work of Jesus. Salvation through Christ alone. Salvation through faith alone. Salvation through grace alone. That's God's recipe folks. The most dangerous thing you can do is try to add or take away from it. Amen.